Three, two, one. Brandon Clark, thank you for joining me on episode 36. Like I had to check. I've had to um, backlog a, few, a whole bunch of podcasts because obviously you see my partner's pregnant. He's yes. having a baby quite soon. So congratulations. Thank you very much. So I'm banking up a whole bunch of podcasts and I'm going through them so much. So, so many of them at the moment that's losing track of how many I'm up to. So thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. That's good. Um, before we get started with the conversation, just give listeners a little bit of a spell on who you are. Why are you here? Yeah. Elevator pitch. <laughs> so I'm a Paralympian. Uh, so I compete in the 100 and 400 meters T38, which is a cerebral palsy classification. Uh, I've also competed at the Commonwealth Games and I got a silver medal back in 2018. Uh, oh. I've done world champs and I got two bronze medals. And then, yeah, Paralympics was my debut in 2021. Oh, well, congratulations on all those achievements. So we get stuck into it. So when did you kind of get started into the athletic space? Uh, yes, I got started when I was about 12 years old. I went to a Parathletics Come Try Day. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think where I would be able to like go, but I just wanted to give the sport a go and I really enjoyed it. And I was ent- identified as having talent to go to the Paralympics. So it was, yeah, that's how it started. That's what. Yeah. Was it, did, you, did you know like from that one try that you were, you had a bit of talent or like it's, it's athletics, it's, you're running, but it's, how do you have like talent? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a, a weird kind of concept to kind of get. Yeah, I around. think I kind of realized that I had potential to yeah. improve and competing against able bodies in primary school actually did pretty well. So I think that made me realize, oh, maybe like I'd be good in the power world. So yeah, I've definitely improved a lot from when I started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the, so going from your, like when you first started to now, what kind of improvements is it? Is it more like technique of the running in race strategy as well? How have the improvements kind of come about? Yeah, I definitely think race strategy is like very important. Um, definitely my technique, it's improved a lot from like, using my arms and my legs and like knee lift, of course, that's definitely improved. And my block starts, which is very important for the 100. Um, so it's taken me a long time to improve all these things and I've got a lot more to improve on. Um, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, taken a long time, but still getting there. And obviously race strategy is very different from the hundred meters, to the 400, 400, I'll probably say 400, but almost that 800, probably the two of the hardest events, probably in my mind, that's probably about the right. Oh yeah, no. Everyone says the four hundred. It's just the like tough event, and everyone in the sporting community <laughs> they just realize like, oh, you've just got to be like so gutsy to be able to do the four hundred. Um, it definitely takes a lot of mental preparation. It's not definitely just physical. It's really hard on you mentally because you have to sprint a whole entire lap. So it's yeah, it's crazy. It's a lot of people don't expect someone to do both 100 and 400, yeah. but I went out and proved them wrong. I did both at the Paralympics and did pretty well in both. So I think that's great. Would you, was it always 100 meters and then 400 or did you kind of add the 400 on later? I think, yeah, it was more just the 100 meters at the start. Well, when I was younger, I tried every single event. I was that oh, kid my. who did throwing and I was really bad at it, but <laughs> I just wanted to give it all a go. Um, but I think I definitely preferred the shorter stuff when I was younger because I wasn't as confident for the 400. And then I qualified for the Com Games for the 100 because that's all they had. Um, so I think mm-hmm. it was definitely a lot more of a focus on the 100. And then when we knew uh, Tokyo was going to have the 400, I think that's when we kind of expanded and started training for that a bit more. Because mm. obviously sprinting is is very technical. Yes. Especially the 100 meters is very technical. Does it this, the same concept 
flow uh, over to the 400 where it's just as technical but just longer or is it more just run as fast as I can and hold on? It's definitely more? technical for the 400. You still need to like make sure you've got knee lift and stuff and also running the race as well. You've got to be very tactical as well with how you run it because you can't just go like full out like for the whole entire way. You've got to, yeah, be kind of tactical along with that. Um, but, yeah, it's quite different to the 100 where you're going full out for the whole entire thing and your yeah. top speed is definitely a lot faster than the four. Yeah. Let's say the 100 is not as – don't even really need a strategy for that 100 because it's just go – yeah. I can. yeah, literally you just go as fast as you can. You need to kind of have a bit of a drive phase at the start and then kind of get up running. But mm-hmm. I feel like that just comes naturally. You don't really think about it as much. And body structure takes in, takes into account a little bit in terms mm. of the block side. Because obviously Usain Bolt wasn't very good at the blocks because no. it was so tall. Yeah. So I think I'm pretty person. lucky because I'm pretty short. <laughs> so the blocks are pretty good for me. So yeah, it definitely does. But he did it amazing, so I feel like it can Does your top anyone. speed suffer because you're so short? I don't necessarily know. I do have a really fast, like, um, like when my legs move, they hit the ground very fast, so I've got that pretty good. So I don't know. Mm. I think, yeah, looking at different people racing, some people take, like, bigger strides, of course, because they're taller. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think because I've got the speed in me, it kind of helps me. Uh, yeah. The natural gift. Yeah. Yes, I'm very can. lucky with that, yes. <laughs> very lucky. Yeah. I like to think of myself as speed, but with the weight kind of <laughs> cancels out. When I, Because I, I used to weigh around 79 kilos and I, I still think my body still remembers what it's like to be that weight and I move kind of nibble. So I, a bit of background on me, I do a little bit of martial arts uh-huh. and I'm a strength and conditioning coach as well. So um, I work down at um, East Remandle Sharks it's down oh, the road. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so I do have a little bit of background in, in strength and conditioning. Like, but it's, well, Oh, I don't want to say that I work a lot on speed because that's probably doing disservice to you and your coaches, but we have to do a little bit of kind of speed training. Yeah. Like with yeah. sleds, I we yes, realize all the yes. sled pushes and, yep. and stuff like that to get. Yeah, that bit. definitely involves speed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't actually go fast on the sleds. You have to, more the acceleration. Power and stuff. Yeah. 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 Power and speed. We have um, one guy, well, I've, well, the biggest test for um, speed, or speed athletes in AFL or, or the waffle is the 20 meter sprint. And the gold standard is is sub three seconds. So if you can get to two seven, I think is where they look at to be pretty good. Ooh. Do you have a do you have a twenty minute time or no? I actually don't. I feel like just do it in training. Don't really look at the times as much. And then the shortest I compete in running is like sixty meters. So right. I don't even know what that time is. <laughs> so how do you? So it's probably a bit of a question. Do you train both events like a hundred meter and the four hundred meters simultaneously, or do you? kind of go through phases in, in how you prepare. Yeah, it's a bit random for me. Uh, for Tokyo, we definitely focused on the 100 more because yeah. that was the event I was chosen for first because right. uh, the medals from World Champs. So 400 was kind of on the side a bit. Um, I also had like a lot of like kind of a few like injury type things in the lead up. So mm-hmm. I couldn't really do running training for the 400. So I actually trained all of my 400 meter training on a bike, like a watt bike. So that yeah, it was pretty cool to be able to make a Paralympic final doing training on a bike. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, wild. so it's pretty random. But um, now I think also with Com Games this year, probably focus a bit more on the one. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I think we just kind of had to steer clear of doing a bunch of running. So my four hundred just had to just suffer a bit by doing the bike sessions. So would there be a four hundred at the Com Games 
No, yeah. so Commonwealth Games, they are very particular with what events they have. They only have a few power events. So I'm very okay. lucky for my classification to have an event. So we have the 100, I think most power classifications just get one, um, which I'm glad that we have an event, which is quite nice, but it'd be nicer if they had more events, including more power athletes. Yeah, is that just because they don't have the numbers to do 400? Or? Yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, because it's just the Commonwealth countries. So There's definitely not as many mm. um, like power athletes in the Commonwealth countries. So... Um, hopefully maybe in the future years they might include a bunch more power events, which would be pretty cool to see. Would you choose, what would you you'd choose the 100 over the 400? I feel like I would, depending on the schedule. I feel like I could do both, okay. but Tokyo's schedule was perfect because it was a week apart, but if it was right. the 400 right before, I probably wouldn't have done it. So the schedules are different. Yeah, so each competition, they change the schedule all the time. Um, that seems un Like world unfair. champs, they literally had 400, then 100, then 200, three days in a row. So mm. it definitely changes. But obviously because the length of the tournaments, I'm sure. Yes, right? definitely, yeah, because the Paralympics was definitely longer. Um, two, two weeks? Yeah, it was yeah. about two weeks, yeah, for athletics it was a bit less, but yeah. It's wild because obviously it makes it like a massive difference if you're a world champ. 400 because you don't know because you could just run the 400 and not have have to do the 100 yeah exactly Paralympics you can yeah. have more time to prepare for the 100 and exactly yeah we had and, quite a few yeah. athletes do both one and four in Tokyo which was mm. quite cool to be able to like see them there was some people I beat in the 100 but then they beat me in the 400 so it was yeah pretty interesting so what kind of phase in of training are you in right yeah. now I feel like it's kind of a bit more of a general prep I'm okay. doing some comps I did uh state champs last weekend which was good um but like running decent times in the lead up to com games definitely not peaking at the moment yeah, yeah, so yeah. got a lot more time to get there training is just yeah a bit of power stuff and a bit faster speed sessions mm -hmm. at the track yeah so breaking down a season i guess would you go is it you pick out a competition that you want to go to is that kind of how it works and then you work back yeah a couple of weeks exactly yeah so we have like yeah different phases of training yeah. over harder week and then mm -hmm. it gets lighter and then it goes up to comp week and then it kind of goes back again yeah so it's definitely yeah my training is structured around sure. competition right and do you have do you pick at the start of the year do you pick out how many number of competitions you want to compete at yeah or usually, you just kind of go as many as I, i'll do out. all of them <laughs> nah definitely um choose like certain amounts of competitions because yeah. I don't want to burn myself. Yeah. I didn't actually start competing till uh, literally February and the competition season started last year, like October. So definitely um, took my time there to start up and probably only got one more state, like uh, local competition on. And then we've got nationals. So really didn't get many comps in this season, but that's kind of what we wanted. When you say this season, is that last Last year? Yeah, so this, yeah. this season for athletics runs about like October till about March, the like local oh, season. Yeah, summer. yeah, through summer. And right. then we have nationals at the end of that. Okay. And then through winter, that period, is there anything to do? Well, for winter, I've got Com Games. So, ah. yes, the training is going to be right. very different. So it's not going to be a full winter training program. Probably start that about after nationals and then uh, – just, and then we're going to have to get ready for comm games. So okay, it's okay. going to be very interesting short turnaround. Right. So if there wasn't a comms game, what does a winter kind of period look like? <laughs> a winter is definitely a lot of like harder reps, uh, definitely go heavier in the gym um, oh. and yeah, a bit longer reps with a little bit less recovery. So really working and like lactic and stuff like that. Right. So even if you're a hundred meter sprint, you still have to do work on the lactic. 
Yeah. Well, I feel like that would kind of help my 400 a bit. Okay. But then also, yeah, for prep for the 100 during winter, I could go up to like 150s or 200s and stuff yeah. like that. So going back, did your first major competition, what was that? And did you compete? In the hundred, yeah, was that was Com Games. That was twenty eighteen. Oh, so your first competition yeah. was Com Games. Well, my first international competition, international competition, yeah. So you obviously had to qualify. Yeah, so I had probably been doing athletics for about, I think it was about four years before that. Okay. So uh, definitely just small competitions and nationals and stuff. And then somehow, at like twenty seventeen nationals, I got a qualifier for Com Games. Was not expecting it at all. Yeah, wow. And then I just kept improving. And then by the time I got Com Games, between my Nationals time and my Com Games time, I took off about 0.43, which is a lot of time to take off your PB. So, wow. yeah. Because obviously cool. it's, a, it's a, uh, a game of milliseconds. Literally, yeah. It sounds like something so small, but then it like it's so quite a lot. Yeah, just even taking off 0.01, that's pretty nice to take off. Because there's 100 metres and it's the – yeah. You're so short the distance. Yeah. And then obviously the time has to be really short. Yeah, it definitely does. And then there's a tiny gap between you and like your competitor and you could literally just like snap your fingers and that's the time. Yeah. So it's, yeah. There was some wild stat. I'm not sure if it was in, in racing or oh, sorry, sprints or swimming or stuff like that, but there was some crazy stat that it was the what, uh, someone who won the gold medal and someone who came like last. There was like point zero something seconds it, between it all. It's, it's so crazy. And then well, I also do photo finish like as – uh, volunteering at like local competitions so even seeing that in the photo finish like it's tiny like gap between like the pictures of the athletes and stuff and you have to kind of yeah measure what time they get it's quite an interesting process to learn so you do that you see it on the little computer yeah and you look at the lines. yeah so yeah when mm, i started cool. i didn't actually realize how they got your time like your time for the um, race, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Someone takes a photo and it takes like really high speed pictures. And yeah. then another person has to move the line to like where <laughs> you like, yeah, measure from it's, yeah. So that's why results take a while to come up. I think a lot of athletes don't realize that. Yeah. So you do that for just a local. Yeah. I just help out when I'm not competing. Cause if it's like a 200 meter night, I'll just help out. Cause I don't really yeah. do as many 200s. And yeah, I feel like it's just a good way to give back and just I feel like it's nice to help out and learn. I feel like all athletes should probably learn the process that happens behind the scene because it makes you really like grateful mm. for what the officials do. Do you have a moment in your career where you're most grateful? Ooh, I don't know. I feel like I'm just grateful for like my whole career. I feel like it's been a pretty awesome one, but I'm definitely grateful for all the support I've had um, from family coaches other athletes everyone in the athletics community is very nice and then yeah just everyone who helps run the competitions because we can't run competitions without help so it's pretty good the volunteers and stuff yeah you're one yourself <laughs> <laughs> do you kind of like your race strategy in mental prep how do you kind of prepare yourself mentally for a race. Yeah. I feel like I definitely now I have a pretty good process compared to like what I did at Com Games. I was very nervous for Com Games. Being a 15 year old going out there on the internet. Were well, you 15? Stage, yeah, I was 15. So I was, I think, the third youngest on the athletics team. And then I was the youngest Australian to get a medal at that games. And I was also, I think, the youngest para athlete out of all the countries to medal, which was pretty nice. Yeah. Out of all the countries. So all of the countries. All the countries. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Because that would have been. Did you feel like – did like were you nervous because you had that title? Like I – well, going into it, I 
Didn't I kind of wasn't really planning on getting a silver medal. I feel like I was planning on <laughs> third or fourth, maybe like with my time going in. So I feel like it was a big shock, but I think it was a nice surprise to get a medal. Yeah. yeah I bet so, it would be. Yeah. Definitely the preparation for that was involving me just like freaking out and be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> why am I doing this? Oh my gosh, how did I get here? Uh, luckily, it was a home game, so I actually got to like spend time with my family before Brisbane, the right? race. Yeah, it was Gold Coast. Yeah, Gold so it was yeah pretty good to be able to have my family and like friends and stuff like around me supporting me and just a home crowd as well. That was pretty nice. But hearing the roar of the crowd when I stepped out, that was definitely something like unimaginable. Like you just can't describe it to anyone. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, and like. The silence as well before the race and then once you oh, go yeah. oh my gosh like that pin drop literally it's oh i felt i could literally just feel my heart racing but it was yeah pretty cool so what are you feeling in that like in that moment you could feel yeah i feel like all the nerves just disappear when i'm in the blocks mm. and it's just i'm thinking to myself like i'm here i've done the preparation i know what i'm doing and i'm just gonna go out and give it my all i think that's yeah. all i really think yeah, do what do you like? Do you feel body? Because obviously, when people get nervous, I feel like they get really heavy. Do you feel yeah. that? I feel like before the race, yeah. yes, but not like you're in the blocks, not just in the blocks. I think in. everything just goes away and it just like, I don't know, it feels calm, calm before the storm type yeah. thing. Yeah. When you were saying before, it's very technical in racing with your running technique. When you're in the blocks and it's about to start, do you, is it in your head? need a drive, punch, like all that sort of stuff? Or do you kind of just go into autopilot and just – I feel like for co- like big competitions, I feel like it's just autopilot. Mm. Um, definitely training I'm thinking more, right. like I need to do this yeah. and this. But I think comps, I kind of just trust my instincts and just go for it and give it my all. I think that's kind of what I do. Yeah, and the technique kind of follows along as well. So I guess you drill so much in training. Yeah, definitely. And you kind of get so like, oh, God, the it's same high knee, whatever high knee yep. is, and the same, same. <laughs> when your coaches are on your back, this has to be like perfect and perfect because yep. the, the more you do it and it becomes auto, like autopilot. Yeah, exactly. So, you have, so it comes into, into racing. Yep, definitely. But then you would have races that you, that you pick through the year that aren't, kind of the top tier so you can go yeah. and practice you yeah know, exactly race, right? just local comps they use that to like think about drive phase and all that stuff and knee lift and all that so it's definitely good to have those opportunities to mm-hmm. practice and make sure you get it in your head and become second nature when you do those those local comps do you always because you don't always come for like the, those yeah. ones, the priority isn't to be to win but to more focus on that but being a competitor do you always want to win? And like that feeling of not winning, does it suck or do you just have to focus? I think for local competitions, because you get put in like a race against people the same speed as you. So I compete against able bodies, Mm. but they can be like 20 years old or they could be 15 years old. So it's very different. You get to compete against a lot of different people who have very similar speeds. I think that's good. And it's always good to try and like come over the line as best as you can, but without tensing up and like sacrificing anything from the race. So yeah that's just because those local comps they're not like the power they're not power qualifications yeah so it's literally just everyone so some power athletes might go in like the last heat or they might go in like i usually go in like heat two or three so yeah it's just everyone's separated but for state comps it's all the paras together which i just did and since i'm like a lot older than most of them i came over the line first i had to push myself i was pretty much just running my own race i love versing against the paras but yeah it was pretty interesting just to be running my own race and it ran a decent time for that so you're now 
older. So how much? So how old are you now? I'm 19 yeah. now. 19, so yeah. yeah. And you were saying you're older than some of the para. Yes, we've definitely out. got a lot of younger para. So it's a younger athletes. kind of. Para. Yeah, I well, we've got a few other para athletes in WA yeah. that reached the Paralympics as well. So it's a good community to have. Um, but we definitely have quite a few like little up and coming athletes all around Australia. It's really awesome because the para field is growing so yeah. much compared to when I started when there was just really just limited amount of people. I still can't get over your 15 at the Com Games and you won a silver medal. That's wild. Yeah, no, that was pretty wild. That I don't think anyone expected it. I feel like my coach probably didn't even expect it at the time. So it was, just came out, shocked everyone. That's wild. And then you were saying you are talking about mentally you were just freaking out the whole time. Yeah. And it's been – well, now this is going to be the fourth year because of Com, Com Games. Yeah. How do you kind of – now going back to the original question, um, the meal mental preparation. So you have you had to work on that? I definitely have worked on that over time. I feel like from Com Games to World Champs and to the Paralympics, I definitely worked on preparing for the race and I felt like my Paralympic preparation was definitely a lot better. I, I was a lot more calm. I was, of course, still nervous. It was mm-hmm. the biggest race in my life. Um, but I, yeah, really just worked on staying calm. I had a routine that I followed. I listened to music when I warm up. I kind of just ignore everyone during the day. I'm just in my own little world, a little selfish, but yeah, yeah. it all works out. That's and fair. then... I do like certain things before the race. I always wear my long socks uh, during right. the race, uh, which a lot of people question why I wear them, but I like them for comfort. Uh, and they Does it make yeah. it more aerodynamic or? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you like, just like the my, feel? my signature look now. Uh, is it? Uh, yeah. Uh, you <laughs> come then, up with your own brand on it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I should. And Mark, then, <laughs> you put marketing on it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I also like, yeah, have my hair braided. Oh, I. Nice. Yeah, just I plan my day to the minute. It's so oh, okay. like, yeah. So, so you I don't try to control late. each? Yeah, mm. I control what I can control and then anything that comes along just happens to deal with and stuff because I've got to make sure I get to the track on time to be able to warm up and not get late to the cool room because if you're late by a minute, you're out. You're not allowed to compete. So ah. it is. You say really, late to the cool room. Is the that cool room, yeah. So the cold room? Cool room? Cool room. Cool room. Okay, yeah. I thought you said cool. Cool room, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in Tokyo we had two cool cool rooms um, and like it was about 40 minutes before the race. So you've got to sit in a room with your competitors sitting on chairs and just got to stay in your own like uh, little bubble and just like ignore them because they're all probably like really nervous as well, yeah. but you've just got to ignore them and just keep warming up and just keep moving. And it's probably one of the most toughest things I would say, like out of competing, just sitting in the cool room. Yeah, that'd be waiting mentally to go. Right. Yeah. Just have to you sit there almost, waiting. You can almost lose in that. Like you Literally, can kind of get a, I could definitely see athletes like just break, breaking. Yeah. yeah. And then they do these ones, like the knees. Are yes, shaking, like, you definitely them. see that a lot. Yeah. I feel like in the cool room, I just move around, just like, oh, yeah. I don't know, I just keep moving because I'm just so nervous. Just get my mind off the race and just think about oh. in the present. Yeah. And music, you listen to, you said just block everything out. Yeah, music. well, in the cool room, you're not allowed to listen to music. Oh, yeah, so that, you're not allowed to have any devices, be, no watches, no phones, no. Really? No communication with the outside world. So it's oh, pretty crazy. Like it's isolation. Literally is. Because you're not talking to anyone. Yeah, no, so you've got to just, I don't know, dead silence. block dead out. Silence. Yeah, the sound. Yeah, exactly. Well, except in Tokyo, the officials are having good conversations. So oh, really? at least they were having fun. Were they, were they talking in Japanese or? I, yeah, they yeah. were. I definitely could not understand them. They, oh, God, that made yeah. me more nervous. It's yeah. Like me, do I suck? Like they're saying, <laughs> probably looking at us and jumping They're probably doing little bets like, oh, he's going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. The officials in Japan, though, they were so nice. They were 
every time they see like the Australian, they're like, g'day, mate. It's oh, really? so sweet. And <laughs> Just then the I, one line? Yeah, literally. I, I feel like that's where we were. And then I like all of us athletes were going like, konnichiwa, probably saying it really badly, but it was cute. They liked it when we said hi to them. So sweet. Oh, wow. So was they, um the cult, did you experience much? Like you had the food, the culture food and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, right? well, but actually we didn't actually get to eat much Japanese food. Like I was going oh, to Japan going thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to try like traditional Japanese sushi and all these like meals. But we get there and, well, we were not allowed to go to the dining hall because Australia for the Paralympics, they were very strict on where we could and couldn't go because of COVID. They didn't want us to get yeah, infected. Yeah. So it was a little bit sad about that. Oh, wow. uh, so we had to eat in our own like – allotment and they would there wasn't really many options but the ladies did amazing like preparing the food and stuff I kind of got a little bit annoying annoyed because had baguettes every day which was interesting baguettes (laughs) yeah all that bread I know that was yeah yeah so it was it was nice food but it was pretty much just Aussie food which is good to keep it simple and then keep you in a routine after we competed we got we actually did get to try some sushi which was quite nice I was a tried mcdonald's from japan it tastes the same everywhere of course <laughs> but i thought like i'm in japan i might as well so i ordered some uber eats. In the, in the they there. didn't have it in the village so oh. i had to order yeah uber eats previously they had maccas you yeah get uber eats there. yeah he get uber eats to the village literally just had to go stand outside waiting for uber eats <laughs> really yeah oh wow yeah I but it was that. after i competed of course oh, so. so before you wouldn't... before i competed i just avoided that so after you competed, did they make you stay? It's like I think that uh, was it twenty four hours, and they sent yeah. You out so it was very different for the Paralympics because the Olympians they yeah got um they had to leave within twenty four hours, but yeah, because our team was a lot smaller, uh, they didn't have as many flights, which would have cost them a lot of money. So they had oh, a flight, like, I think two flights leaving in the middle of the games, and then uh, two flights leaving at the end. The middle ones were like just uh, normal flights, but ours would charter at the end. So yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. We got to fly in Qantas. They were really nice to staff. We had the same staff fly us to Tokyo and fly us back from oh, Tokyo. So they did a quarantine. It's so bad for them. They, oh, that to stay they, there. Yeah. Well, they. I think they came back in quarantine in Australia or something. Oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine doing that much quarantine. Well, you had to quarantine when you came back. Right? Yeah. So we had two weeks quarantine. Of course, we had to quarantine in Melbourne because they couldn't really let oh, us quarantine fly. in WA because, yeah. There wasn't enough people to fly yeah. directly to uh, Perth. Oh, so you would have had to do two weeks in Melbourne, then two weeks here again. We Perth. actually avoided uh, the two weeks in Perth, which is what we were all like very worried about because we're getting in quarantine. We're like, oh my gosh, we got two weeks in a hotel here, and they were just starting to get like a bunch of cases. So we we're thinking, oh, oh we're going to have to quarantine back in WA, and we did not want to do that. Out. Yeah, so we had to fly back. I think we had to get back in WA like 12 hours after leaving quarantine. So we left mm-hmm. straight from the hotel, straight to the airport, straight on the plane, and then home. Which I'm very glad about because I don't think I could have done four weeks in a row. <laughs> so, um, what's your your music that you? What's the kind of go to? Do you have a playlist? What kind of vibe you? Yeah, have when you're listening to. So I definitely every time I go and like compete internationally, I make my own like playlist kind of music that I'm listening to around the times. So I have one from Com Games World Champs and then Tokyo. Um, I think, I don't know, I find it a good way. I can just go back and go, oh, this reminds me of Tokyo, this music. So oh, it's, it's just real random, random yeah. music. I don't know. I feel like it's just popular music at the time. I definitely had Stay On there. That was a good song. I don't know. I loved that at the time. But then also some like <laughs> uh, Fall Out Boy and stuff okay. like that and just 
bit of Macklemore. I don't know. It's real random stuff, which I feel like it just gets me pumped up. I feel like mm-hmm. it's definitely not everyone's taste in music, yeah. but. So do you, do you always have to be careful that you don't want to pump yourself up too much, like too yeah. far away from the from the race? You don't want to you know, peak, yeah, don't like, wanna, get too aroused too yeah, early. Yeah, definitely don't want to get too like yeah excited the and then, then I'm getting to the race and be like, oh, I'm right. tired now. But, yeah, so it's definitely kind of a skill I've been working right. on because I also do it like local comps. And that's how I practice with the music and stuff. So mm-hmm. I treat local comps like they're big comps. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Do you still try and st- like do like a make make believe like call room so you sit alone? Yeah. So I yeah definitely Quiet. like aim to finish my warm up earlier and then yeah, I just okay. yeah sit there and just do some drills and stuff, just waiting for the race to start. And mm-hmm. then every time before I race, I always go out in front of the blocks. I take my time to get in the blocks. I'm probably one of those annoying people. <laughs> I always do like a big jump before I get in the blocks just to fire myself up, and then I get in the blocks. I make sure I get in the blocks perfectly, wipe my hands off, get in the perfect position. Yeah, it's probably really annoying to other athletes, but you have your time. You're like the Rafael Nadal. Yes. This is always the the head, pull the the wedgie out. And And as it does, a step on the line. Yeah, you got to get that. You got to make sure you do it. He does it every time. (laughs) Yep. No, that's what I try to do for comps. Yeah, definitely really annoying because everyone's probably waiting in the blocks like, why is this person taking forever? But Did you watch the Australian Open? Yeah. Five-hour final and every five hours he was doing Literally. Well, that's, yeah, what happened world champs for me. We, I think we ended up having to do like three different times to get into set because it was just like issues happening. So I did the same thing every time. So you have to restart from the beginning? Did the jump, yes. And then I got in, wiped hands because – I wanted to be prepared for that start, even though like we had to get called out of the blocks like multiple times. But every time I was like, this is the time it's happening. And you just have to like refocus every mm. time. It's very important because like it's a it's almost that mindset comes, a lot of people pick out that mindset, but I think it really originated from um golf. A lot of golfers they always have for every shot they do, it's always the same routine. Yeah. They um, you know, they would do like a practice swing behind the ball, like they yeah. would visualize That's the swing true. and then they would step to the ball and it's the same foot, foot, and then they yeah. a little swivel, they have a wrist flick and then they follow through yeah. the shot because it's the, the routine has to be the same every time because you don't want to break break the routine. No, it's, yeah. yeah. It's a hard kind of Yeah, I feel like if you break the routine, it. then you're just like out of it and you're not mm. like as focused and, yeah. Is that as a focus and yeah. visualisation? Visualisation, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's all mental game type thing. Do you do visualisation kind of? Yeah, so I definitely, especially in the cool room because you have so much yeah. time just sitting there, I literally just visualise my race. I'm just sitting there, my head down, eyes closed. Yeah. I'm just pretending I'm coming out of the blocks fast. Right. It's. I look weird from like an outside point of view, but it's, I don't know. I feel like it's all in the mental game. Because I guess the race is from more, like someone who's watching, it's always the same every time. Yeah. But I guess an athlete, it's different because you want to, this focus is on the race. Like yeah, drive, like definitely. Said, driving it, push out the blocks fast. But like yeah. if, from your eyes, you always want to be the one where you don't see anyone either side. Yeah, you want to be that one in front. You, yeah. <laughs> you want to be going. And yeah, I think also when you're racing, you kind of just like put like those things that the horses wear and like you ah, block blinders, out everyone, yeah. the blinders. Yeah. So that's what I feel like I just do. I just ignore the people next to me. I'm running my own race. Mm. I've got to be running fast because if I notice the person next to me, I'm going to tense up and then it's just going to make it slow down when you tense yeah. up to really just not moving as much. Right. So you really just have to ignore everyone. Like you're the only one here. You've got to be so selfish in an individual sport. It is, yeah. Yeah. 
do you um it's one of those things you talked about stiffness it's another thing that's kind of crossover to the fight world as well one of the things you don't want to be yeah. at all times is stiff because once you're stiff once you're stiff your you're opponent, not going to move yeah. yeah you don't move as freely and yeah. it's really easy for your opponent to see what you're doing because if you're really stiff mm. there's only one thing you're going to throw and that's a big right hand yeah so and that obviously the same is going to be a detriment to your output because if you're not loose then you yeah. can't be as 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 whippy i guess you yeah. can't really move fast you can't yeah get that fast like you're so like tense speed you're and, already yeah. looking to push but if you're relaxed yeah. it's easier to flow through the movement yep. right yeah, it's definitely. It's the same in training. That's yeah. what you want to focus on being. Yeah, exactly. Used. In training, I just focus on myself running the race. Uh, I train with people who are like very similar speeds to me okay. at training. I've trained with a few able bodies. Uh, so it's definitely good to be able to practice that. Practice it like you're running a race, even though you're in training. Mm. And in your training, let's break it down from a, a running skill perspective. Do you start with warm up, like your drills? Is it all focus on? mechanics of of the sprint and then you kind of go into your working running sets after that right it's definitely yeah so with my drills i do like high knees which also like helps me like get a bit more like free moving and then practicing that movement and getting that pattern in my head so when i actually do run that pattern is like there and i don't have to really focus on it as much it definitely helps like to keep doing drills but you also got to make sure when you do the drills you do them properly because if you're doing them incorrectly and just going through the motions you're really not going to improve. You're not getting that like movement, the correct movement in your head. You're getting it like incorrect, of course, because you're not putting your knees up as high and then you're not as pushing as much and getting your legs straight under you. It's really important drills, even though people don't think it is. Yeah. Just from that, do you do video review? Like do you, you coach video and say, oh, you need to make sure you're doing more. Yeah, because you might think that you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, we definitely video a lot of my reps and stuff and we go back after each rep and look at it, especially block starts because there's a lot of technical things you need to improve, like very little things. So we always go through the videos and then improve on the next rep and it's good to have quite a few reps, but of course not too many that you weigh yourself out. What's kind of your specific focus to work on? I think at the moment, moment. it's definitely the knee lift when I'm running and then striking below myself when I run because that's very important because you don't want to be overstriding because that means you're going a bit slower. Uh, And with the block starts, definitely driving out low and not coming up too much. So when you say you, when you start to overstride, means you're going slower. Is that because you, when you reach out, you break, it's like a breaking. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, literally it's like that. So yeah, you're, yeah, you're slowing yourself down. Mm. When you strike underneath because that creates more vertical. Yeah, pressure. even though people think, oh, you're not moving anywhere, but if you're leaning forwards, you're still moving and then you're striking below yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting yeah. to learn about all that stuff because I definitely little, didn't know it all years of, ago. A lot of physics. Yes, right? definitely. Vertical yeah. forces and horizontal forces. Because yeah. even when you're up top speed, there's still a bit of horizontal force being created because you have to move forwards, right? Yeah, exactly. start like this. No. <laughs> uh, do you... How does the kind of your gym program fit around your training? Do you how many times a week do you yes, go to the gym? At the moment, my training is pretty interesting. So I definitely do uh, quite a bit of training, but it's not enough to wear myself out. So Mondays it's gym and water running. Tuesdays water it's water running. Water running, yeah. It's I don't know how to describe it. I started doing it because I had a stress reaction in my right foot, twenty twenty. Oh, okay. So. It's just a way to keep running and like the running action, yep. but yep. in water, so you're not 
Wasn't like striking, yeah, on the ground. So you're really just keeping the weight off your feet. And I've ever since then, I've just continued it on and it's been a good part of my training. So is there like a like a treadmill type of thing in the water or do you yeah, just well, do it in a pool? When I do it, I do it at uh, the Institute of Sport and they have like a little whirlpool and yep. it's pretty shallow, but I'm pretty short. So I fit in it perfectly. <laughs> and you just put like a little... Uh, belt around yeah, you and, you and it keeps you afloat and I just run against the water it's pretty easy to and do and you can focus on technique yeah and stuff. exactly and then do a bit longer reps and stuff yeah that's interesting yeah it's, I you feel like get, yeah a lot of people don't know about of, it it's a lot of technique great. work and reps and yeah. it's obviously offloading your weight so offloading, it's not as stressful yes it's keeping the weight off my feet and making sure they're fine mm. so, that, so that stage 2020 was more like a rehab tool yes to going, definitely but now I, you use it as a yeah, Something now you it's for technique and yeah, used for, extra work. Yeah, extra work. Yeah, off the track. And then mm. Tuesdays, I do core and track. Uh, Wednesdays is usually a gym and a bike session. So that's where my 400 comes in. <laughs> uh, and then Thursdays, core and track as well. Fridays is usually off or comp. Uh, Saturdays is gym and then Sunday is track. So got a decent amount of training in, but it's not a lot of work. like on too much i don't know because it's not back-to-back massive sessions because yeah, water yeah. running isn't too big mm-hmm. and then core is not like super heavy so what are your focuses on in the gym is it strength power at the moment really? it's a bit more power and then i think yeah. after nationals are going to go a bit back to strength yeah. uh so i'm just doing a bit more fast lifts uh with quite a bit of break between my gym sessions they take a very long time which <laughs> I don't mind. I do it at my coach's house. He has dogs, which I can oh, go and cute. pat yeah, between yeah. reps. Yeah. So it's it's nice. It's a good environment. Nice. That's kind of that's a lot better than just going onto your phone in between reps because you yeah. kind of get. It's one of the biggest things that I've I've focused on, what I've noticed a lot is when I gym a lot or when I do kind of those same similar sessions, and I go into Instagram and I get real distracted, and yeah. then I lose myself in like in the session. Exactly. So yeah. I, I feess feel the like dogs a bit easy. You can kind of you know, just go pat them. This is not like in a, in a fake world, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. And I fake. feel like just the dogs just make you feel happy, and it just keeps the training session like very enjoyable. Yeah. So those speed sessions, what kind of uh, exercise are you doing? Box jumps? Is it more like power power clean? Let me do power. Not clean? at the moment. Box jumps. I am not really good at them after multiple times trying to get you, on, just scraping the shins. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely back like a few months ago we were doing that. So I think my gym's very much it's changing over time, uh, and then depending on what type of training I'm doing on the track is yeah. depending what gym stuff I do. So at the moment it's a bit of like. Like one day is like deadlift, but one day is like Romanian and oh, then like okay. quarter squat. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. all very mm-hmm. different. That's cool. Yeah. Do you have a favorite lift, favorite exercise? I don't know. I really like quarter squat because it's very fast. It's yeah. And you're not like going down too far. It's, it's not less work. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, what weight do you push? Oh, Quarter squat, maybe about 75. Full squat, about 60. But I probably could do more now. Oh. I've done it in a bit. And then I don't even know what I have to do for deadlift. Do you have do you have an exercise that you kind of suck at, but you want to like you wish you could be really good at, or you'd like to get? Really I feel good? like box jump is probably. Okay. I feel like I don't <laughs> suck at it, but like if I could just jump on like the really toolboxes, right. like just with ease, that would be really nice without embarrassing myself and just toppling over. Yeah. Do you incorporate plyometrics at all? Yeah, usually. Yeah. You do that on a on like a track. Yeah, usually yeah, more okay. of a track day. So yeah. Med ball throws. Yeah, not really. sometimes. Not as much with yeah, okay. med ball. Um, depending on – I feel like it's just depending on the training and I just okay. trust my coach. He writes yeah. the program right. and I kind of like 
say how I'm feeling during sessions and like we discuss, yeah, what the weeks are going to be like. So it's really like good, like relationship and Mm -hmm. like very like open with each other. Do you do, we talked about sled work. Do you do the speed sleds? Do you have the sled harness? Yeah, yeah. We usually use that, go on the grass and do it. Yeah, Yeah. it's quite fun. And then we also have the sled where you push it as well. So that'll be good for the blocks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's pretty good. We get to kind of use a lot of equipment and adapt training and just be creative with it. I guess um, because you're a a speed athlete, the gym, the big strength stuff doesn't really have to big effect. So you just have to make sure that you're, not getting injured and yes, you can definitely. kind of use a gym as a potential in improvement in performance. You don't, yeah. want, you don't want to be like, oh, my back squat's 200 kilo. I need to get it to 220 yeah. and I can run faster. <laughs> yeah. That's how it works. Definitely don't want to be a buff athlete, buff <laughs> sprinter. Gosh, no. <laughs> uh, do you have kind of, who are the like, idols you have Ooh. growing up? Definitely. What you, like, yeah. Is there someone, I'll rephrase the question. Do you have someone that you, Kind of model your kind of sprint kind of athlete. I feel like a lot of senior athletes that have come before me, like everyone who's done something like gone to the Olympics or Paralympics, that is pretty like amazing. And I like aspire to like be like them and keep a really long career running. Uh, There's definitely quite a few athletes. There's one in particular, Madison Di Rosario. She's from WA. Uh, She, I actually roomed with her at Com Games, very nice person. When you were 15. When I was 15. Yeah. So she was really good because she started competing internationally at a very young age. So I was able to kind of, yeah, she, kind of guidance type thing uh, just like help me because I was yeah very nervous. I'm pretty sure she probably was when she started. So it was good to have someone who's been there at such a young age because not a lot of athletes start very young. It's pretty random to be so young in the sport and achieving in the sport. So it's definitely her. And then also I feel like just Kathy Freeman just coming out, of course, like everyone knows the Sydney 2000, just the 400 400. win. Being that person, just coming out and shocking everyone and being like getting that amazing win. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to aspire to get. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Every time you say 15, like you're so young, makes me think about when I was 15, what I was doing. I can't remember. It must have been that exciting. Or like I wasn't doing what you were doing, so it's pretty wild. You know, I think definitely my childhood, like of course I got to live up to 15, like just normal child. I still have like a normal life as a 19-year-old, but it's definitely made me kind of grow up a bit faster, which I'm not complaining about. To be able to go to the Commonwealth Games, not a lot of people can say they've done that. Mm. And obviously you've been at school. Yeah. Do you have to to Yeah, for Com Games I took. Probably most of semester one off. So, but I was year 10, so it wasn't okay. that important. <laughs> and then year 11 was world champs, which I was in Dubai when my exams were going on. So I had to cram all my exams right after I got back from Dubai into one week. I didn't really study much in Dubai. So uh. it was definitely hard to do that. At least it was year 11. And then year 12, at least the Paralympics were postponed by a year. Right, so that would have been the so year. That, that would have been my year 12 year. So I'm very glad. Uh, I shouldn't say glad, uh, but it worked as a blessing in disguise yeah. that the Paralympics were postponed. So I could focus on my year 12. I ended up getting a way better ATAR than I thought I was. Got into a better uni course. So oh, it all nice. kind of worked out. And then also with my injuries and stuff, it definitely gave me a bit of a bonus to have that extra year because I don't know how I would have run in Tokyo in 2020. So that injury that you talked about, was that the foot? Yeah, so it was a stress reaction, my third metatarsal. So it wasn't quite a stress fracture, but 
it could have got there. So at least we caught it like early, but I had to wear a moon boot for about a month. Uh, I actually had to wear that to my ball, my school oh, no. ball. Uh, at least like I had a, I had a long dress at least. So oh. It was covered. It was fine. <laughs> Uh, but I think that was probably one of the hardest parts of my career, just watching everyone else compete because I don't know why. I went down and watched competitions because I was just uh, missing it. And I didn't realize how much I would miss like running because when I do like training, I'm like, oh, I have to go to training. But that really changed my mindset around training now. Like now I want to go to training, like, knowing what it feels like to be told you can't run. Like it just makes me more motivated mm. to train now. Because it was such a long time. Yeah. Because like, it's just, was you say a month in the middle? About a month in the middle. And mood. then obviously and then, it's yeah, a reloading A long process. time to yeah, get back up running. And then, yeah, so it was definitely a really hard time, especially like first major injury type thing mm -hmm. on a Paralympic year because the Paralympics hadn't been postponed when I did it. So I was very nervous, uh, but I'm very glad. I had a lot of support around me, my foot is great now so still <laughs> running uh yeah and then also last year before the Paralympics about two days before we left to go to Tokyo uh I strained my hamstring no yes yeah, so that was one as a sprinter god no it's definitely not so I had to have like an MRI and stuff I definitely kept it like under wraps because I don't want my competition knowing oh she's messed up her hamstring uh so literally about like the two weeks before my race, I was oh, doing jogging weeks. training, just jogging. And then like probably had about two sprint sessions before I competed. So was that a grade one? Did you do a grade one? Yeah, just a okay. grade one. So thank yeah, goodness it wasn't like, yeah, anything so worse. What kind of stuff did you have to do? Like a rehab? Did you have to, did you do any BFR, blood, blood flow restriction cuff? No, sort of stuff? no, I don't know. I think we just kind of just kept the training light yeah. and just hoped it decided to yeah, yeah. work by the time I got to Tokyo. So I think that was pretty stressful it was literally yeah. just from a block start like oh really yes so i just high, felt it, it go actually low, oh, low. Yeah. yeah i i don't even know what happened just just felt like burning and yeah like i'd never done yeah kind of like that mm -hmm. i'd never done anything to my hamstring beforehand so that was pretty scary really scary yeah mm. uh but you know what i got into line in tokyo it felt fine thank goodness when i was running in tokyo so what we all yeah. did, like having all that medical support, like staff around is very helpful because on a team you've got doctors and physios, everyone's looking out for you. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Definitely helpful. Yeah. And then, yeah, I've also had like ankle issues as well. Which, Ankles? Yeah, back at like start of 2020, kind of the end of it, so I had some cortisone injections into that. Just because there's so much load going through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so And I guess when you do your training, how much is on grass and how much is on the track? A lot of it's on the track, like all okay. my three That's track sessions on the track. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I definitely find going on the track better for my ankles as well. Cause well, except okay. for the low, like it's yeah, really hard on them. But when I run on grass, I have very like weak ankles. So they just roll okay. very okay. suddenly and it's just usually mm -hmm. end up with sprained ankles quite often. Cause yeah, the grass is soft. Yeah. And... Yeah. Do you, when you're running on grass, do you have to wear, do you wear your runners or do you wear, Depending yeah, specific on, shoes, right? Yeah, usually it's depending on part of like what part of the season if I'm running on grass. But like okay. if it's nice, like even surface grass because they have like a UWA oval, yep. that's like very good. It's very well maintained. Like no other sports play on that. Because oh, yes, very. Especially when yeah. you're like footy players, the grass yeah. is just going <laughs> to – it's going to be like very yeah. uneven and very dangerous. Yeah. Because always, especially if you go to footy clubs where they warm up before the start of training, there's always one yeah. part of the oval that always do the kicks on. And that's always a part of the oval that turns to shit because yep. they're always on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, so it's good having like grass areas that mm -hmm. are specific for athletics because we kind of need our space and oh, yeah, yeah need nice grass. <laughs> and talking about the shoes, you have specific running like track shoes. Are yeah. they, I've never, I've seen them, but I've never had held one before. Yes, they're very light and they are very light. And they've got like no sole. It's, well, right? yeah, yeah, well, actually the new ones I've got. So I've had so many different spikes. I've tried out everything. So it's different spikes for sprinting, middle distance, and then long distance, and then long jump, and then javelin, and shot put, and discus, <laughs> all those, like, every different type of shoes. I would hate to be a heptathlete. Uh, so <laughs> at least I only need like one pair of spikes. So I have usually one for training and then one for competition as well. Uh, I've been trying like the new Nike ones with like the cushioning in them. Oh, they were really big, like around Tokyo time. They just came out. I, gosh, a funny story with that. I got my shoes about a week before I competed in Tokyo. So I had oh, to, no. as long with the hamstring, I had to learn how to like run in these new spikes because I was determined to use them. Uh, they're pretty cool. Like it's a little bit like cushiony, like a little trampoline, like air pocket type thing. They, I don't know. Right. I feel like you get spring off them. I don't know. There's not much studies around them, but they're, yeah, they're really cool shoes. So there is a lot, bit of science behind the shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Nike's really like, yeah, because no, the no, Nike yeah. ones, they're like really going forward with their shoes. And I think like they're one of the first people to like create these ones. Uh, they're quite expensive. I mean, $250, but worth it. They last a while. Yes. I've used like a lots of different spikes. I also use like another pair, which I wore a different pair for my 400 meters in Tokyo. This, yeah. Do you have to take a, your, your own separate bag? Yeah, I literally, well, my gosh, my bag is full of different things. Like when I go compete, I don't want to take one pair of shoes. I want to take multiple pairs right. so I can have backups just in case the shoe breaks or something. And then also got spare spikes because you need the little spikes to go in the shoes. You have to turn them in. I always wear like green and gold ones because why not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Australia colors. And that just give you more grip? or Yeah, is so yeah, the Bike shoes are designed to have like, yeah, they have little holes and then you screw the individual spikes in. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so when you go on the track, they kind of grip and push you off as well. So ah, that's yeah. Why. And they're like, all the shoes are designed very differently. Like sprint ones are very minimalistic. Middle distance ones have a heel. Long jump ones yeah. have a bigger heel. And then like javelin has spikes at the front, like the toes and the heels ah, of the okay, shoes. Yeah, so, obviously so yeah, so it's... Hmm. Yeah, a lot of science is behind running shoes, and they've definitely improved over the years. Yeah. Seeing like old, yeah, old spikes. But like you said, it's a lot of it still on feel. Like yeah, if you don't like it. even if the science is like this. Is yeah, the best shoe. If exactly. you don't feel like it's any good, then it's not going to be. Any yeah, good. it's definitely on feel because a lot of athletes have got different like feet type, a lot yes. of high arches, low arches. So it's also different. like yeah, shoes how they fit. Spikes have to be very tight, so they kind of oh. like fit like a sock. So you literally you put them on for the race. And then after the race, you see a lot of athletes taking them off just because they're just so tight and you just want to get them off your feet. They're uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. And you, well, you need them to be tight because you don't want like a bunch of toe area just like tripping you up at the race. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah, they fit like socks. Exactly. Then, hmm. Do your feet like get all compressed? Yeah, sometimes. Well, I notice sometimes when I run, my feet get very hot, like especially when the track's hot as well. Uh, so it's, Yeah. Quite a, it's not the most comfortable pair of shoes, no, I can imagine. but like, I think when you wear them more, you get more used to them. Yeah. Do you, is there a period of how long you have to, like, is there a, a life wear on them? Like, do you want a couple of races and then they're no good because they're too loose or? Uh, I think they last like a pretty long time because like they're pretty good, like material, like yeah. when you pay a decent amount of money from, you want them to last. And especially when it's only like a 12 second race, it's, 
pretty yeah. short. So you're not wearing them out too much, but a lot of athletes, I don't know why they do this. They walk in like concrete with them, which just wears them down, which so yeah. walk on concrete with the spikes with on? the spikes on. That's yeah. Uh, and then like the heels also have like, just like little, like kind of inbuilt, like spiky parts that are like a bit rough on the bottom. And then yeah. if you wear them down there, kind of a bit useless. So you see a lot of athletes like just walking around, no shoes on. Cause you don't want to destroy your shoes on the concrete. <laughs> do you have the same mentality like myself? You, I do the same, like when I lift weights, low reps and heavy weight for me is the best. For you, is it short sprints, high intensity effort, and then anything over 400 meters, ah, oh, it's too much. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I am. I feel like sprinters I don't know. I wouldn't say them like lazy, but kind of lazy type thing, especially like me. Like I don't want to run an 800. I've done it before. I'm never going to do it again. It's, I'm just too lazy to run that far. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's. doesn't feel good, right? No, it doesn't. It's, Same thing. I I don't, if I was to run, it's just it's short interval running and yeah. then like 30 on 30 off. It's not like I'm not running two minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's too much effort. Like I'm not, I'm not doing 10 reps of squats. It's like five is max. Yeah. Five. Yep. Yeah. Or that's actually four reps too many. <laughs> There's one rep. One rep is great. One and done, baby. Yep. <laughs> uh, so do you listen to any any podcast to kind of get an insight into how other, I guess, how other athletes kind of prepare mentally or do you kind of like to, to do your own thing and, and learn off your own experiences? Yeah, I definitely like to learn off like other athletes, just listen to like random podcasts or even watch like just videos of people like showing drills because I feel right. like, when you can see it, you know what to do. Like it's the more you see it and like the different ways people explain it can definitely help. So I definitely like watching videos. There's also some like TikTokers who <laughs> do like running videos, which is pretty cool because it also like teaches other people who are like kind of low levels, but it also kind of reinforces ideas and gives you a new way of thinking about exercises. And then I also, I'm one person who likes to watch other people do reps. Like if I'm having a break between block starts, I'll watch like my other like, training partners I'll watch them do their block stars and I would pick out things like of course they're doing wrong but also the things they're doing right and then think of what I need to change in mine and it's just pretty much just watching and learning I really enjoy like watching other people race I go back and watch my previous races as well I go back and watch like the top men in the world do their race and just kind of get ideas from them do you think I know it's a long way down the track but do you feel like you could go into the coaching yeah, I definitely want to do that. I think I'm kind of looking at doing my level one coaching for athletics and just do maybe start off with a little athletics coaching because I'm still like learning as an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely do not know everything. And I feel like people thinking that athletes, oh, they're going to be the most amazing coaches while they're still competing. They're probably not because they're still learning themselves. So I think definitely retired athletes are probably one of the better ones because they've been through the whole career. Mm. Uh, it's definitely... You need that experience to be able to right. coach. So I might, yeah, start with a little athletics coaching. I also, at the moment, I'm doing swim teaching, which is very different to running, <laughs> but it's a pretty good job and getting that experience with teaching, it's quite nice. Yeah. Well, teaching is almost the same across everything because teaching yeah. and coaching are the same. Yeah. You know, you're teaching, you're teaching a skill like English or learning yeah. how to write. That's the same if I'm going to use a lot of coaching. Yeah, because you have to of, reinforce yes, the reinforcing, stuff. Yeah. You know, standards and making sure that you're able to present and communicate effectively to who you're going to coach or teach. Yeah, exactly. Same. When I went through coaching, it's you do a couple of lessons by teaching units. Yeah. So you learn how to teach because it's the same. Yeah, exactly. Do so you, you focus it, on things. Yeah. Yeah. And there's almost, I've got a feel that there's almost like 
two types of athletes. There's an athlete who just does the sport or the like he just does it like doesn't yeah. really ask questions but almost naturally gifted and can execute. But there's another one that's has all of that but likes to likes to be detailed and has an eye for detail, likes to watch and like to, to learn about the sport as well. That's almost you feel Yeah. That kind of I think yeah definitely having that motivation to learn outside of training, not just rock up to training and be like oh, I'm just here to train. I'm going to get the session over and done with, but really thinking about it and really just going through the motions of the thing, probably just, you really just need to focus <laughs> on everything because you're probably not going to get anywhere if you're just rocking up to training, completing the session, just like a tick to the session. You've just got to kind of go yeah. a bit above and beyond. Yeah. Sometimes there is training sessions where you just, you're tired yeah. and it's it's hard to be motivated. Sometimes it's sessions you just want to just tick off just to do the sessions, but like most of them probably should be you're actually doing the engaged. sessions and like thinking engaged. Yeah. yeah. Do you now that you're you finished school last year? What are you are you uni this year? What are you doing? Well, yeah, I finished yeah 2020 and then yeah. I started uni last year. Yeah. I only did two units for semester one and then took semester two yeah. off with Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, so I'm doing wildlife conservation at oh, UWA. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty interesting well, from the biology units I've done so far. It's, yeah. What made you, what's the kind of interest? I I don't know. I always just wanted to work with animals. And I knew veterinary studies as an elite athlete, that's not really on the cards, having to study full-time. And it's really oh, okay. like hard on you. So I think this was just like a next best thing. And I just want to really just work with animals and just help like preserve animals and just stop them from becoming extinct and do that research and just really just learn more about them do you have outside of your studies and your training and doing podcasts like this one what what else do you do in your spare time do you kind of get away like do you trying to not think about yeah i feel like during my spare time well besides from like uni as well just kind of go hang out with my friends. I love going shopping. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely like spending some money at the shops and just hanging out with friends. And yeah, I'm not really much of a party person. Never been clubbing yeah. at the age of 19. Oh really? I know. Well, it's just when I turned 18, I was really like heavy training for the Paralympics and really yeah. like involved in school. So I feel like. Sacrifice. Yeah. Sacrifice. I definitely still like go to people's houses, have like fun. have a little party, but not really the most party person and definitely no like drinking around training. So it's definitely <laughs> boring oh, person. Yeah. Designated driver. That's fine. Yeah. I went when I was 18. Just after I turned 18, I did 12 months. No, no alcohol. Wow. Cause I was still like bodybuilder. I want to try to lift weights. I want to maximize my gains. Mm. No alcohol for me. I just used to go yeah, out. Just, I, still went, I still like went out and stuff. I just didn't yeah. drink. It's so weird. <laughs> it's weird. Like, so have fun like, without oh, it. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just okay, like, drinking the water. Maybe like one o'clock and I'm like, okay, it's time for bed. Literally. Oh, yes. No, I definitely love my sleep. So, How many hours of sleep do you? Oh, I definitely try hours? to get like nine hours at least sleep. Uh, definitely with trading earlier. I have to be that boring one. Just go to sleep early. Are oh, you an early, early yeah, morning Yeah, some training. I really don't like training in the morning early. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I have to do like gym at like 6 or 7 a.m. just to get over and done with during the day just to fit with my like coach's that. schedule. I think it's good. Just I think once you're up and you're doing yeah, yeah, the yeah. sessions and like you just kind of it helps your day. You just keep yep. moving along. I like doing gym early because it, because there's nothing, no other 
no other distractions yeah. or nothing else has worn me down through the day. Because exactly. like you start the day with 100% batteries, right? And mm. then if you're going to work out later in the day, then yeah. you have got to work and that drains a bit of battery. Yeah. And then someone pisses you off at work, that drains the battery more. Then yeah. if by the time you go to train, it's like, yeah, 40%. You're tired, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I really can't yeah. give a high effort and mm. all that. If you were to have dinner with four people, any four people, who would you choose? Okay. Oh, just, do they have to be sports people? Or could just anyone, 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 anyone. <laughs> any four people. Oh, okay. I'm going to go with Chris Hemsworth because oh, yeah. he's amazing. Uh, also, Thor? yeah, Thor. <laughs> at Com Games, funny story. Oh. Chris Hemsworth and Usain Bolt were at the track on the night of my event. I wish I met them. That would have been <laughs> so cool. I would definitely say Usain Bolt because, like, he would give some awesome tips. We have some good stories. Of, oh, who's another person? Harry Styles. I <laughs> love Harry Styles. <laughs> That's definitely, oh, he could just, like, do a little private concert because he's not coming to Australia anymore. So that would be very nice if he could do that. Oh, who's another person? Ooh. Last one. Maybe I should do an athlete. We'll just throw Kathy Freeman because okay. she's pretty awesome. Like, really... I feel like a down-to-earth person. Never met her. That'd be cool to meet her. I think, yeah, that'd be where, where pretty would cool you go? dinner. Ooh. What, would what would we have? Would you cook? Can you oh, cook? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say I'm not the best cook. I can cook these, like, basic meals. Uh, that would be embarrassing to cook for Chris Hemsworth. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. Maybe we'll just go out for dinner. Surely they're, they're rich. They can, like. Oh, they're going to pay out Yeah, surely they can. We'll just go for like a really bougie restaurant maybe. In Perth or you can go anywhere. Where would you go? I feel like somewhere in like Paris would be nice. Have you been out like traveling at all? Not really. The only traveling I've really done outside of athletics is kind of just going to Indonesia and Bali. Really, I like going there. It's quite enjoyable. Being on like a cultural tour with school. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like just learning about different cultures and just being immersed in that. And then other than that, the only place I've been to is Dubai for world champs and Tokyo for yeah. Paralympics and both of them. I didn't really get to really do get much, to especially Tokyo, which is one of the things we saw was on a bus and then just, yeah, at the track we didn't really get to go to shops and stuff, which is sad. <laughs> do you, which is the, do you have a favourite Chris Hemsworth movie? He's been in a couple. Is it the Marvel ones that you yeah. like most? Yeah. Oh, I Jack? love Marvel movies, yeah. Uh, you know what? Just the original Thor. That that's a good movie. Marvel he, movies. He's great. almost ripped exactly out of the comics. Well, like he's he looks he's exactly literally, like that. I know he's just, just perfect <laughs> <laughs> in every way, except for Endgame, of course. But oh, yeah. you know what? He still looks great. He's so funny. <laughs> looks great, fat. That's fine. <laughs> uh, he's just got that charisma. Oh gosh, yeah. That that's pretty cool. Maybe one day I'll get to meet. Maybe he'll come to another event. Do you go? Do you follow AFL footy at all? Yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah. you're like, a Western Bulldogs supporter. Western uh, Eagles. Oh, you're an Eagles. Eagles. Nah. Yeah. He's a Western Bulldogs like number one ticket holder. So oh if you were, uh, <laughs> if you're a Western Bulldogs supporter, you can probably tag along, get a box seat with you, maybe. <gasps> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I think it's time for the Uncle Frank's yes. questions, like we talked about at the start. So, new segment on the podcast. He hit me up on Tuesday. <laughs> What are we gonna get? And he gave me a whole bunch of questions, and I've uh, put him in a hat, and you have to pick one. All right, I'll shake okay. it up, mix it up. Time for a change, Uncle Frank. Be... Ready? Pick one. Okay. All right. That one. Read it out. Okay. Read it out. 
Oh, wow, it's a long one. Is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Why haven't you done it? Oh, I don't know. What a, oh, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if there's anything I've really dreamed of doing. I feel like I've achieved most of the stuff I've like dreamed of doing, like going to the Paralympics. I think maybe just trying stuff, like new stuff. Maybe trying like a new type of sport, maybe. That would be, I feel like that'd be interesting. Of course, not a dangerous sport. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, I don't know what there is. (laughs) Done a lot of sports in my like time. So maybe going somewhere, like going to like Italy. I really want to go to Italy. I think that's something I've dreamed of doing and just having just a nice tour, even just going around Europe, which we yeah. might actually do before Com Games. So maybe I'll be able to do that, achieve that. Where's the Com Games this year? That's going to be in Birmingham. So, oh. yeah, England. So That's cool. Yeah, it would be interesting. I think the accommodation, apparently, it's not going to be like the most amazing <laughs> accommodation. It's going to be uni accommodation. Oh, really? But you know what? Being able to go travel. Culture. Yeah, travel and just that team environment. Com Games 2018, that was amazing. Especially your home games. Like, having all those athletes because at the Com Games, they include like, well, they have able bodies and powers. So oh, they mixed mixed together. Oh, so I cool. get to be able to kind of, yeah, talk to the able body athletes and they get to, yeah, learn a bit more about para sport. And I think everyone really gets to be able to have like a recognition of para sport and understand it instead of just kind of like, oh, it's there. So I think it's, it's great to include para athletes at Com Games. Mm. Uh, definitely you could include more athletes. I think after Com Games 2018, I don't know, I think it was like Mark McGowan was saying how we should combine the Paralympics and Olympics. I don't mm. actually think we should do that. Oh, really? A lot of para-athletes don't think it because it's already two weeks long for the Paralympics and it's two weeks long for the Olympics. Combining those two, that's going to be a month's worth of sports in a row. And I feel like yeah. it could take away from the Paralympics because – because you're stacking them both yeah, against each other. Yeah, stacking right? them both against each other. Because usually there's a break in between. Yeah, there's a couple weeks, like two-week break between, which is it's a nice break. But also another thing I think, the Paralympics like, definitely need a lot more recognition. Tokyo was amazing. Like a lot of people with COVID sitting at home watching it. There was a lot more people watching the games and talking about it a bit more. It'd be nice if they kind of didn't really talk about it in terms of we're kind of a novelty thing and it's like so inspirational watching para athletes we're athletes we're there we do the training we work as hard as we're not just like little showcase events or like a circus thing where we're just inspirational to other people i think that's another thing and also broadcasting is getting a lot better we got a lot more coverage on channel seven did a lot of interviews with them which was pretty cool but i think another thing is they're really focused on the olympics and everything all the ads when i'm watching the olympics say this show is going to start after the Olympics. Why not after the Paralympics? Yeah. Why Why after the Olympics? I think we deserve to have that two weeks where all the eyes are on us, not on these new yeah. shows. You can wait Later. an extra few weeks. Yeah. I think just, yeah, give us a bit more recognition for what we do and just stop kind of making us just look like we're just, just a specialty and just like, Anyone can go to the Paralympics because not anyone can go to the Paralympics. Just because you're disabled does not mean you're going to go to the Paralympics. Mm. I think that's what mm. a lot of people have to learn because it's a hard thing to get to. It took me a lot of training to get to, and I was very lucky to be able to go to the Paralympics at the age of 19, which is quite special. But, it's yeah, it's a hard reality that not everyone's going to get there. And 
I think people just need to realize it's elite sport and it's sported its finest and it's improved so much. My classification back in 2016, the time I ran in Tokyo probably would have made me medal for both one and four. But now in Tokyo, I got fifth and seventh because the classifications, they're growing and everyone's improving. It's it's pretty cool. One of the things that you mentioned as well is that just because you're labeled as a para, you're not... <laughs> that's not who you like you're just a normal person yeah exactly yeah i have a disability and it's not like the one thing that defines me like i want to be seen as a human right but also i don't want my disability to be ignored because it's a part of me i can't get rid of it and i don't want people to kind of overshadow that and like cross over the word disability and be like oh like i don't really want to talk about that i feel like people they're so shy of the word disability but it's in our community like so many people have disabilities i think we just need to kind of understand it more and just become more confident with the word. Right. And there was a also as well this this year they had was it they raised was it Scott Morrison they gave money for yeah, the members I the first time this year they, that they was money. so amazing. They yeah. actually because it's pretty unfair the Olympians they got a medal bonus when they got first, second, third. Paralympians got nothing no. bonus. So now we're equal which is just showing how the world is kind of like moving along. It's quite sad that they actually had to do like campaigns to change it because it should have been there in the first mm-hmm. place but at least it's happening now because what is involved like evolving we need to yeah just yeah. keep moving on you know who raised um how that all started you hear about that i think i did was female athlete yeah, yeah that one yeah so chloe dalton i really want to get her on the podcast just yeah. because i think that what she's been doing because she's obviously um yeah. sevens rugby rugby sevens i think she was in the olympics in Rio, I can't, yep, don't quote me yep. on that. But then she also plays for Carlton, AFLW, and then, or used to play for Carlton, yeah. now plays for GWS. And I've worn her, her t shirts and stuff. So, and I follow her a lot. So, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Like, especially like an able bodied athlete, pro, like campaigning yeah. for para athletes. Like, it's good because instead of just us doing all the work, we actually have people like supporting yeah. us. Yeah. I think that's really amazing. And like what she's been doing for like female athletes, that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, like, awesome. Yeah, I think definitely being a female and a para-athlete as well because and sport of athletics is definitely not as much funny in it. You would think like I'd be able to live like off funding, but I definitely cannot. I have to get a no. job as well. Yes, It'd be nice if I was in a sport where I could literally just like AFL and stuff, you just do your sport, but it's definitely not the yeah. case. There's there's two or three things with that. One of the things that people often overlook is when you do have to focus on one sport, there's a lot more pressure that falls on your ability to to keep getting results. Yeah. And that's what a lot of footy players and guys have to commit to a career in a sport, mm. trying to deal with a lot of mental pressure. And especially when you have scrutiny from the media mm. and it's really hard to shut out outside forces, like social media and, and trolls makes yes. your life a lot harder. So there's that aspect as well. And in my opinion on the pay thing is that I reckon the Olympics is a massive fraud because they – because the IOC makes so much money they off do. of the media coverage, like how much the TV rights. They make that much money, money all the commercials. Going? Yeah, and it goes straight into their pockets and they yeah. don't give it out to the people who actually have to do the sport. Yeah. Like I, if I watch, I watch to, for you to run. I, yeah. I don't want to pay for them. They're not doing no. anything. No, I know there's so the many advertisements as well. Like, mm. yeah, they pay a lot of money, like the companies, to advertise on this. There's a lot of money going into it, but... Athletes, athletes pockets they don't really get much what we get is usually money from the australian it's institute the of sport yeah, yeah. The so the pays. government so 
I think it definitely would be better, especially for athletics because it's not – I feel like it's not a sport that's as widely, like, broadcast as footy. Like, not as many people watch it as much. Of course, there's not as many sponsors in it. It would be cool if a lot more people would watch. I find it very interesting because there's so many events you can watch. I definitely understand. It's not everyone's cup of tea to watch athletics, but definitely, hopefully, in future years, it'll become bigger and then more sponsors would jump on board. But it's also, it's an individual sport as well. So you have to go find your own individual sponsor with footy teams. It's kind of like- So you have to do, you do that yourself? Yeah. So currently I don't have one. Um, Hopefully get a nice one in the future, but- it's it's pretty hard to get like a company like Nike or something like that. Uh, I definitely got a lot of like brands reaching out to me. I've had quite a few awesome brands, like some of them not even involved in sport, just to do with social media, which is pretty cool to be able to promote brands. And then some of them, like they found me through sport. I think that's pretty awesome. It's definitely what I want to do more of is my social media. Yes, like coming on this podcast. Like yeah, this. exactly. I know. I definitely want to promote myself and yeah just get really involved in the media and also like just to promote disability in sport and then also show people that disability is not a one-size-fits-all that's what I always say to people because when you see me you can't tell I'm disabled so a lot of people yeah will try to ignore the fact when I say I'm disabled they just kind of glance over it and I think we need to show all the types of different disabilities because you're not like a disabled person is not always in a wheelchair and they're not always visibly dis- right. disabled. So yeah. it's, yeah, that's what I kind of want to do and just like teach people like the future generations because we need to grow up in a world where we're not hiding from disability, where it's just normal. You see someone at the shops with a disability and you're not like staring at yeah. them. It's just normal. That's what we need to grow up in a world. I think you've done a perfect job at, at uh, <laughs> explaining all of that and letting everyone know it's a, we live in a society that needs yeah, to be more open and definitely live with each other yeah and not to point and stare and yeah exactly make, you're not making like, like fun but yeah. it's more like you've never seen it before yeah and then also not to like if you see someone like hide your like face and like not look at them you can look at them but don't like stare at them make a point so i think it. yeah i think just look at them smile because we're literally human we're not like <laughs> aliens we're no. from planet earth <laughs> you, you make a perfect point so yeah. before we wrap it up do you want to let everyone know where they can find you on Instagram and yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, What's my Rhiannon? Rhiannon Clark underscore. And then my Facebook is just Rhiannon Clark. Uh, maybe I'll make a TikTok in the future. So maybe I'll get onto that. I need to start a TikTok. In the yeah. <laughs> I use, I'm old, like obviously I'm older. I use the Instagram rules. Oh yeah. Like, yep. Everything's in one place. Very similar anyways. It's so, the same, but yeah. it's all the old people use. Yeah. This my, <laughs> she's older than me, but let everyone know. <laughs> um anyway so yeah thanks you want to shout anyone out anyone to thank i don't know just thank my awesome coach and my awesome training partners kinetic track squad we're pretty awesome <laughs> and then yeah just thank everyone who supported me and then thank you for having me on no the worries, podcast. It's been a, really enjoyed it no, it's an honor to have you on so thank you very awesome. much rhiannon thank you and all the best for comp games when's that thank what, you where the, when Chil- is it? oh it's like august august, august so it's coming up oh, very almost soon there. Yeah. I have a little, so almost four month old. So we'll see here a little, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. So we'll have a little. Chuck them in the Aussie colours. Yeah, a little yellow top with your little, little name. Oh, very cute. All right. Thank you very much for coming thank on the podcast, you. mate. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you.